leaving It's remains when we need to talk bad about my boss Take a break from work today is no total loss All right, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to this Memorial Day edition of the Strange Days Indeed version of the South Dakota Game Fishing Parks podcast and blast. I am your host, Chris Hull, GFP communications guy. How did it get to be Memorial Day? I know we have a hard time like keeping track of what day it is uh, during these times, but Memorial Day. It was like two days ago and my wife said, it's Memorial Day weekend. What are we doing? And I said, it's Memorial Day weekend this weekend? Uh, I don't know. It snuck up on me. But anyway, uh, Memorial Day weekend, always the traditional kind of kickoff of the boating, camping, cabin season in South Dakota. Uh, I know we're heading up to the great northeast corner of the state and spend some time with my family at our cabin our family cabin and looking forward to that it's of course it always rains but we deal with that anyway with uh other activities other than boating and fishing um adult activities but that's cool too uh just a reminder you know we're getting our boats out haven't maybe really used them a whole lot couple things you know life jackets always have those especially those kids should have them on when you're moving uh man it makes all the difference in case something happens uh the other thing uh, remember when you're going to and from the lake and when you're storing your boat in your garage or your yard or wherever it is unless it's in the water those plugs got to be out and everything's got to be drained Uh, i know you know people roll their eyes when i say this to them but I live in Pier, and uh, we got zebra mussels last year on Lake Sharp, and that's a game changer. Uh, don't know exactly what it'll do to the fishery and stuff, but you know it, it, those zebra mussels are transmitted basically by boats, trailers, that kind of stuff. So everything's got to be drained. You know, you catch fish, put them in your live well. That live well's got to be drained. Uh, I know it's a little bit of an extra step, but either bring some water from from home, or you know, throw. A, five, 10 pound bag of ice in a cooler. And when you catch those fish, throw them in that cooler. Um, people all over the country kind of do that now and have gravitated towards that. So, uh, we just have to, it's the law. It's a $110 fine. If you, uh, if you are ticketed for that and people get mad when they are ticketed for it, but, um, we're just trying to protect these resources. I know I'd be pretty upset if some of my favorite lakes, especially in that northeast corner got zebra mussels and and you know they're washing up on the beach and kids are cutting their feet and they're plugging up boat motors and stuff so just remember that what else we got going on oh uh deer draws applications for deer licenses are now open so go to gfp.sd.gov click on licenses Remember, you can apply for two of those seasons in that first draw, East River, West River, uh, Black Hills, Muzzleloader, Refuge. God, I might even be missing one. I thought there was six, but uh, in the amount of or in the uh, event that I want to keep things rolling. But uh, yeah, application period for that is now open. So get out there and, and apply for your favorite tags. Good luck. Um, I know I'm looking forward to the deer season. Got a 12-year-old now that um, is in the middle of taking hunt safe and uh, looking forward to taking her out on her second mentored hunt and then maybe even 
trying to get a any deer tag or uh, even another doe tag. Uh, hunt safe, get some questions about hunt safe. You can take all that online now. And uh, for the time being, your um, field day, you won't have to do a field day. Um, so go ahead and get on the, the website and click on education and hunt safe and you can get all the information and get your little ones or not so little ones I guess if they're 11 and 12 but get them uh, going through hunt safe so they're all ready for the fall and uh, got a cool episode for you just one one uh, one piece it's kind of on CWD we've done a few on CWD but uh, before but thought it was good time to kind of ring this up uh, because of deer applications being due and and the new rules the new laws that you have to do with uh cwd areas and and moving transporting carcasses and everything i got uh, a couple of really smart dudes coming up so thanks for listening and stay tuned As I was saying, Memorial Day weekend is coming. That's the kickoff, traditional kickoff to summer. But for big game hunters, it also means that deer applications are now out and available for all of our hunting seasons, or a majority of our rifle and muzzleloader seasons anyway. And we've got some new changes coming down the pike for this year uh, regarding chronic wasting disease. And with me, i got two of the smartest big game dudes possibly in the world out of the Rapid City office, Steve Griffith, and out of the Peer office, uh, repeat offender on the podcast, Chad Switzer. Boys, how we doing? Doing good, uh, Chris. I appreciate you taking the time to talk about some of this stuff today with us. Yeah, Griffith. Yeah, and I think you called me Steve Griffith. No, Griffin. But it's actually Steve Griffin, so, uh, but I'll let that pass. No, I called Um, you Griffin. I'll have to go back to the tape. It's magic of editing. I think I did call you Griffith. So uh, I, should... I, I understood then. So doing um, well though. No Griffith? big. No, I'm glad to be here. Um, hopefully, get some information out to folks. Cool. Anybody doing any fishing or anything fun? No. Not not out here. I'm not. Gosh, Griff, you got one of the uh, coolest jobs in the world. You should at least go and enjoy some of the some of the benefits. Well, I, I I got out and enjoyed a little turkey hunt this morning. I had some gobblers gobbling up on my back hill. Of course, they did exactly what they do: is you talk to them for twenty minutes, and then they fly down and go the other way. So, but it sure is fun to listen to them gobble. You sh- you should have me come out and go on the other side of the hill. I'll call, and they'll come running right to you. That's true. We and- split up. And since I'll be on a ridge, you know, a mile away, uh, with social distancing will be perfect. I mean, and then just like the time we were chasing uh, bighorn sheep, you can just leave me on that ridge, and I'll see you in a couple of days when I get home. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Switzer, how about you? Chasing, chasing any fish or chasing Josh, trying to catch fish? or? Uh, not much. Not much fishing, just a little bit. Uh, yeah, we've had a little bit of success with some white bass and uh josh dropped his phone in the missouri river so we're going to be looking at a new phone so yeah that's been about it awesome well i fell off a old barn and broke my phone so i'm using my daughter's phone to record this today so i guess we're (coughs) we're even but uh 
let's get to chronic wasting disease cwd like i said deer drawings open everybody should start thinking about that but uh lots of new info that we need to get to hunters and potential hunters and i think we'll just start with a rundown i know we've gone over this before but uh let's get it out of out of griff's mouth just give me a quick rundown of what cwd is steve sure chris um yeah, I think most hunters in the state of South Dakota and in a lot of states have heard what chronic wasting disease is. Um, it's been around, uh, I think, for about 50 years now. First was in found in Colorado in a captive mule deer herd. Um, first found in South Dakota in 1997 in some captive herds and then slowly has progressed into, into different areas of the state here. But what chronic wasting disease is, it's basically a fatal brain disease of the cervid family, which is very simply uh, both species of deer, white-tail mule deer, um, elk, and moose. And, of course, in South Dakota, we, uh, we're we dealing with the deer and the elk portion of those species. Um, it's basically caused by an abnormal protein called a prion. Um, and and when an animal gets this, this disease, um, you know, the body of the animal basically shows progressive weight loss body condition goes down there's behavioral changes uh they kind of go in and out of of consciousness in the sense of um knowing where they're at excessive salivation drinking and urination and you can see kind of a depression in them um the bad part about it is there's no cure for it um it is always fatal um for an animal that does get it um and just so folks are knowing, just because you see a deer out there that's very thin and maybe emaciated and and just not acting right, doesn't mean that it has CWD. There's a lot of different diseases that uh, can affect animals, um, but we always like to de- to determine whether it is CWD, especially in new areas where we have not found it. Sure, and th- that brings up a question. I'm already going off script, and and Switzer's used to this, but Griff. Somebody's out out in the hills, whether maybe they're four wheeling, maybe they're camping, whatever, fishing, and they see a a, a sick deer. Um, what's the what's the protocol there? Do we do you want to hear from them? You want to hear where it is and what it looked like, so we can send somebody out there, maybe if there's somebody available, or what? What do you recommend there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, our our, our protocol still is to investigate any sickly animal. It may not be CWD. Um, and, and granted, we may not get be able to get to every one of them, but we sure do appreciate calls from folks, um, and we will make an effort to get out there or get somebody out there to, to look at it and uh, um, see what's going on with that animal. Um, that's our job. So cool. We okay. appreciate those. So, hey, hey Chris, uh, Chad here, just, yep. just a real quick comment here. You know, I think that the symptoms that, that Steve described are, or what you can expect to find in a, a deer or elk during the late stages of, of chronic wasting disease. Now, obviously, they're, they're, you know, those, those deer or elk can look perfectly healthy and, and still be carrying that prion disease uh, within them. So just want to make sure that everybody understands those, those symptoms, those clinical signs that Steve described are, are what you normally find in a late stage, but, but they, they may not be showing any symptoms as well. Sure. So, Leads me to another Absolutely. off-topic question: uh, A critter uh, gets CWD. How how long does it take to get them to that the the Griff stage where they're 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 sick? There's no doubt you can look at them and they're sick and they're going to die. 
How long does that take? Yeah, so to fall back on what Chad said, the majority of animals running around out there with CWD look perfectly healthy. Sure. The majority of our hunter-harvested animals with CWD are very healthy. Um, an animal, for example, a deer, um, probably within two years that animal will be dead once it contracts the disease. Sure. Um, elk might take a little bit longer, but, uh, you know, they'll be pushing around and doing their normal things and shedding that disease in different areas for for up to a year and a half before they kind of start really getting sick and localizing, and then they don't move as much. Um, so it's it's probably within two years that animal will be deceased. Sure. Well, Griff, you said, you know, uh, shedding the disease. How do deer and elk get it? How is it transmitted? So it, it is transmitted through the shedding of the prion, um, and, and the bottom line is, is that, you know, uh, it's shed from a, an animal with it through saliva, urine, or feces. Um, it can be shed animal to animal um, through grooming. Um, again, a deer that doesn't know it has it yet, you know, they, deer are very social animals, for example, and they do a lot of grooming, can shed it or um, spread it to each other. Um one one other way is we're show, we're found that infected carcasses, um, an animal that has it in a carcass, uh, can be a can be a reservoir for that prion, um, so it can be a source of infection for critters. It gets in the environment. Um, evidence has shown, research has shown that it can be up um, taken up in plants. Um, a plant can pull a prion up from the ground, as an example, and a deer or an elk can come along and eat that. Um, vegetation and and be be susceptible to the prion there um, anytime you you concentrate deer at a source a feeding source or a watering source you know um, it has the the implications of infecting a bunch of deer if you have one sick deer come to a feeder and feed on that corn or whatever that you throw in there the next few deer that come along could eat some some grain that's been salivated on, and then the disease is being spread. Sure. So even if you did have, you know, there's some deer, and it's sick deer, and it pees next to a pile of corn, and the corn goes away, and the grass grows where the pea was, you're, you're saying those plants could potentially have that, that prion in it, and if something comes by and eats it, they could potentially get it that way too. Yep, absolutely. Um, natural salt licks or, or geophagia, you know. Yep. I told you I was going to use a couple big words. Yep, that's a big one. I can't Basically, spell that one. Deer eat, eat the earth. It's a salt source or whatever. A sick deer goes in there and eats on that or licks up the earth there and contaminates that soil. It's been shown that on deer licks, natural deer licks, um, that the disease is in those too. So um, there's multiple ways that it can be taken up into another deer. Sure. What about what about humans? Um, you know, you said it's been around for a long time, and and I know we've done some testing, and we'll get to that. But um, you know, I shoot a deer out in, in you know Belfouche or one of the counties that that we know it's there, and I, it doesn't look sick. I take it home, process it myself. Um, we eat the deer. Uh, any potential for human harm? Uh, no, not at this time, Chris. We don't know. Um, so in general, there is no evidence that humans can get the disease. Uh, it's been around a long time. Um, but that being said, there's no evidence that humans can't get the disease either yet. 
Um, we're not doing a, you know, feeding a bunch of people infected meat <laughs> and determining what the outcome is. Right. Um, it would be a great study, but I don't think it would be a legit study. Yeah, you might um, get in a little trouble on that one. Yeah, so the Center for Disease Control, you know, down in, in Georgia in the World Health Organization basically say there's no evidence, but um, they are also being on the cautious side, and we are also, is that if we know we have an animal that's positive, we would recommend that you do not eat it because we just don't know. Right. There's a lot of folks that aren't concerned about it and, and consume it. Um, you know, everybody asks me personally, and I, I can't, I can't say one way or another because it's a, it's a situational thing. Um, but I do know one thing that if I had young kids, I would not feed them a positive deer just because their brains are still forming. Right. Um, and you just don't know how it would affect them. Cool. All right, Switzer, it's your turn. Uh, Griff got to drop a couple big words and I know you got some big ones for me. So, um, I know this last year we expanded our CWD testing, um, where did you test? What goes into those kind of tests, and what did the test reveal? Three-part question. Yeah, so I might just uh, back up just a little bit, Chris, sure. and, and briefly touch upon our, our chronic wasting disease action plan, uh, which is available on our website. Uh, if you can't find it on our website, just go to our search and, and search for CWD, chronic wasting disease, and it'll it'll get you to where you want to get to. <clears throat> so last year we went through the process of uh, several stakeholder meetings, uh, a lot of input from the public, and, and we ended up putting putting a plan in place that that uh, you know we we felt was important to inform our, our public and those interested in in deer and elk on on what CWD is and some of the long term concerns of this disease for our servant populations uh, moving forward. And uh, so essentially, there's kind of kind of three three goals within that plan, kind of the, the three legs of that stool, I guess, would be one is we want to determine the presence, absence of chronic wasting disease in, in areas where we have not done much testing. Okay, so we're going to get into testing here in a bit. Uh, the second is to reduce the spread or the artificial spread of, of CWD to the best of our ability, uh, and that's where we're going to get into some of the, the regulations and best management practices. And then the third uh, leg, Chris, would be you know, working with our communication staff, trying to put out information to have the best informed public that understands, supports, and is going to participate to the highest level with uh, the rules and some of the best management practices that you will find within the plan. So the plan is on our website. Uh, it's a little outdated right now, to be honest with you. The, the COVID situation has kind of slowed down some things, and, and we've got we've to do some revisions and update some information in that plan. But I just want to make sure folks are aware of that information on our website. So uh, getting back to your question on, on testing, uh, Chris. <clears throat> so through the process of the plan, we, we identified some what we called high-priority surveillance areas. So areas or hunting units, counties that we wanted to, to go in and, and do the best we can with the participation of, of hunters. And our hunters responded very well, and we'll get into some of that here in a bit. But uh, so what we did is we looked at any geographic spot where we had CWD, and we kind of we drew up a buffer around that spot, 25-mile buffer. And wherever that buffer fell upon, that kind of identified those counties or hunting units that we wanted to further investigate, whether it was a positive within our own state or a positive in North Dakota, South or Nebraska, Iowa has CWD in the northwest part of their county. <clears throat> 
So we, we really targeted those areas. Uh, we worked on uh, setting up uh, collection stations, uh, working with private businesses, uh, with the Department of Transportation on some of their roadside uh, parks or, or way scale sites. Uh, we worked with uh, taxidermists and, and processors and some other, other avenues to essentially have about 30 to 35 collection stations last year uh, that we felt were put in the most uh, you know, the best, the best geographic areas for hunters to provide samples for us. It was not a mandatory requirement. Uh, it was a voluntary submission. And, and, uh, you know, we thought for our first inaugural big year of, of really enhancing our, our testing efforts, uh, uh, things went, went pretty well. Uh, from the standpoint of the number of tests that we obtained, uh, through the seasons, here in elk hunting seasons, we we got just under, and some of these numbers might be a little a little off or a little outdated, Chris. But uh, it was right around 1,900 samples we got. Oh, wow. uh, obviously, uh, uh, most of those obviously came came from deer. We had 130 or so that were uh, brought into us from from elk hunters. Uh, of those 1,900 and some samples, we we detected 76 uh, positives. Uh, most of those being in whitetail deer, uh, 57 whitetail. Uh, 12 mule deer and seven elk were, were uh, confirmed to be positive. All of our samples are, we have a cooperative agreement with uh, South Dakota State University and their diagnostics lab over there in Brookings. And uh, that's where we, we uh, send all of our samples for testing. So, Sure. Uh, so <clears throat> what goes so into Chris, that? I guess just, just to maybe back up a little bit. Sorry. Yep. I, I like interrupting you. Yeah, uh, I know. That's cool. So, so prior to our efforts in 2019, Steve might have to help me out, but I think we had only confirmed CWD in, in four counties, uh, you know, that reside right there in the Black Hills. And, and uh, with uh, the participation of, of hunter submissions, we, we confirmed CWD in an, in an additional, uh, Steve, was it eight or ten new counties, uh, all of them being in, in West River, South Dakota, west of the Missouri River, but uh, substantial more. Uh, findings of of the presence of CWD on the landscape uh, with with the help of hunters. So, yeah, with eight new counties, Chad, you're you're correct there. So, so what? Just briefly, Switzer, or I'll even go to Griff because I know he did some some video stuff. What goes into testing? You know, testing for CWD. How do you do it? So what we're looking for on either deer or elk, it's the same in in the. The tissue's in pretty much the same spot. Um, we're, we're looking to collect the, ret- collect the retropharyngeal lymph nodes, um, and uh, those are up and underneath the throat, um, easiest to get to from the bottom um, up in there. And uh, two nodes, obviously one on either side of the neck, and uh, that's what we send off to the SDSU lab. Um, and that's what they test for chronic wasting disease is the retropharyngeal lymph nodes. Sure, and you did a couple couple of videos to kind of teach staff, and I, I know even some of our public saw them on on how to collect those those lymph nodes. On you know, a hunter could do it themselves too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're they're you know, if if somebody just googles how to collect retropharyngeal lymph nodes or CWD sample collection. There's multiple states with uh, videos out there. I don't know technically, Chris, if we have one out there now. I know I've I've created some for staff. Yep. Um, they're pretty lengthy 
and uh, it's for training on staff. I don't know if we have anything in the state of South Dakota, but we we generally direct folks to other quick videos. I think there's one from Minnesota on our website and yep. in some other areas, but um, they're pretty pretty basic and simple. And and uh, um, I also have uh, some picture guides that we send out in a sample uh, self sampling kit that pretty much walks people through where to make the cuts. Um, and uh, wh- where the tissue sample is. So there's there's resources out there for folks to find out sure. what samples to, so, to pull on their animals if they want them tested. Sure, and we'll get into that a little bit later too. Thanks, Griff. So let's get into the, the meat and potatoes of, of why I got you two guys uh, wasting your time with me today. So uh commission passed some new rules, I think it was late last year. You can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure I am that are going to take effect for this 2020 hunting season, deer and elk. Let's start with defining. The, the first thing was it was to define the endemic area. Um, Switz, what's an endemic area? What's our endemic area, and why is it important to define? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So in, in endemic area, uh, we, we would simply define that as that is a, a county or hunting unit where we have confirmed CWD within whether it's a, a mule deer, whitetail, elk, it doesn't matter. CWD has been confirmed there. That hunting unit is now in an endemic area uh, by our administrative rules. So, so we we identify endemic areas in, in rule by by the hunting unit. Uh, we do know that most of our our hunting units across the state, whether it's West or East River, uh, pretty much follow the political county boundaries. But we do have some hunting units that, that overlap several counties or a county might be comprised of, of three, uh, maybe some of them might even be more than that, of, of three different hunting units. So so an endemic area would be where CWD has been confirmed and, and thus that would initiate uh, the transportation and disposal uh, regulations that uh, the commission uh, adopted on you know, as a, as a real as a result of uh, the department recommendations, uh, you know, we're we're not trying to put additional burden on our hunters. Uh, we we don't want to intentionally do that, but but we feel this is an important step in the process to try to reduce the artificial spread of this disease. And, and when I say artificial, I mean talking about if you remember Steve mentioned earlier in the broadcast how you know just from a uh, an infected positive carcass. Uh, deteriorating there on the landscape, those prions can get into the soil uh, that way. And so, we have hunters. You know, hunters are mobile, and right. uh, we have people traveling all across the state, and we have people traveling all across the country to hunt in South Dakota. And and we want to we want to do we want to be as proactive as we can to try to delay the you know this this disease of, of spreading on the landscape. And it might already be in eastern South Dakota. We we honestly haven't done enough testing to. To confirm or deny that, and uh, so that—that's uh, the justification for endemic areas uh, to initiate these these rules. Sure. <clears throat> okay. So next question or next rule change, I guess, is the interstate carcass transportation restriction. Uh, so in layman's terms, for this question, let's say I'm a South Dakota resident. I uh, I travel to Idaho, and somehow I shoot an elk. Can I bring that elk back across state lines and bring it to, say, Sisseton to have Horton's Meat Locker um, process it for me? Am That's I allowed to do question. that? So, 
so interstate would be the movement uh, amongst or between states. Right. Uh, that's that's the definition there. So, uh, and just to back up a little bit, when we started this process of of uh, discussing uh, how to best handle this in the most uh, you know the most easily understandable way for hunters, and, and that might be uh, most accepted by hunters or taxidermists or processors. You know, we we started at the very far edge. Uh, we we said that no nothing could come come back into the state unless it was deboned and packaged and had a, a, a boiled out clean skull plate or or that uh, that uh, trophy head had to be you know uh, uh, done by a professional taxidermist and the shoulder mount could be brought in. Uh, that's where we started and going through the public input process and having those discussions with the commission, Chris, that's where we kind of, kind of met some middle ground. Uh, we, we knew that there were businesses out there that, that do, uh, do need that, those, those, uh, you know, that, that, that work from out of state hunters. And, and we know people from the Eastern side of the state hunt in the West, and we've, we've probably realistically got to allow some of that transportation to occur. So, <clears throat> so what, what this means is, you, you can bring anything back in. Uh, the only condition with transporting a carcass or carcass parts or that head back into South Dakota would be uh, ultimately at the end of the day when, when you're done uh, processing that animal or, or doing anything from the taxidermy side of work, all carcass remains from that animal have to ultimately lend, uh, end up in a permanent landfill. Okay, so, so what does that mean and how many of them are there in the state and how readily available are they to hunters? Uh, those those landfills are permitted by uh, South Dakota Department of Environment and Natural Resources. I believe there's about 23 of those facilities across the state. That information is available on our website uh, with the locations, the names, address, phone numbers for hunters. So they need to end up there. Now, another option would be uh, to visit with your, your waste management provider, your, your, your company that, that gives you your garbage can, Visit with them and see if they do uh, allow carcass remains uh, to be placed in your dumpster. Uh, we've done some internal surveying work with those those businesses. Uh, there's there's some that do and there's some that don't. So that's going to be upon the hunter to try to determine if that's going to be an option for them to do that or not. Now another option and probably our preferred option, Steve, whether it's inter or interstate movement within the state, would be uh, when once you harvest that animal. Uh, is, to, is to just debone the animal and just bring the meat out only. And, and if it's a trophy, I guess bring out the head only and then properly dispose of the remains of that head once you're done doing your European mount or uh, your taxidermist would then be responsible for it. But uh, ultimately, the, the re- regulations allow the movement of anything from anywhere. Uh, it just has to end up in a, in a permanent landfill in some form or fashion. Sure. Griff, are you seeing more hunters i i know you know up in the northwest in 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 harding and in perkins and some of the big tracts of public land and it's probably more popular with antelope but are you seeing more hunters like in the hills doing that just kind of boning stuff out and, and leaving the carcass and stuff there or do you think you know a lot of states that's fairly common but in south dakota you don't see it a whole lot do you see that out there um you, we're starting to see it more and more as people get into this and and some of the folks that like to get off off road and get back, way back in there, you know, if if hunters have noticed over the past few years, we've actually changed some regulations right. for 
tagging regulations and stuff like that. So um, they don't have to bring as much out. They don't. They can tag the antlers now, I believe. Yep. Um, and they don't have to tag a hind leg, so they don't leave the hind. They can leave the hind leg out there. Um, some of these big walking areas, you're right up in some of these areas. Um, you know, proof of sex on a doe, and that's all you have to do. You don't have to bring the head or anything out. So a lot of folks are deboning or quartering. Um, I think there's a lot of education. Hunters are going to have to educate themselves on how to do that. It's actually not that difficult. There are videos also to to show you how to do that. Um, one thing I so I, I think it's becoming more popular, and as more more and more education goes out there, it's gonna it, people are gonna realize that you can you can clean them at home or you can clean them in the field. Um, and we do prefer sometimes that if it's an endemic area, we know the disease is there. If there's a chance that your animal is positive. Leave everything in the field except for the meat. Now, if you want it tested, you'll have to bring the head out or pull the nodes or whatever. But um, for the most part, leave the disease where it is. Um, that's part of the transportation, carcass transportation, is we don't want that disease moved around. Um, I would, I want to back up just a little bit real quick, Chris, on the interstate. So you're talking about Idaho. Um, We can, uh, how do I want to say this? Sometimes if you're going across state boundaries, other states have different regulations. Right. To follow those regulations. Um, our interstate, for example, um, they can move them across the state from out of, out of state. Um, and people that are going through South Dakota can take that animal right through without worrying about it. But some states are way different. Some states require that deboning. You cannot even bring anything in the head, hide, spinal column into other states. So they can they can search for CWD. There's regulations out there right. on what you can and can't do um, in other states. Right. Well, that, that's a good point, Steve. And, and it is honestly a checkerboard of varying rules and regulations on on what can come in into a state, as Steve mentioned. And we uh we do have a, a state regulation link at the bottom of that CWD webpage on our website. Uh, it is likely not updated now. We will take a look at that and and update it to the best we can with the uh, you know the best information available available. But we do try to provide you know the most current information that that we can find uh, on the other states. In a in a perfect world, uh, all states would have the same regulations and, and it would be relatively simple. But obviously that's not the case. So, right. thanks for bringing that up, Steve. Yeah, and that's a good point. And, and Griff, we did we did some videos uh, that we have up on our GFP YouTube site on how to how to bone bone out those deer and and get them out. But yeah, like you said, they're already outdated, so it's probably time to update them. But you can get the general idea and figure out. You know, just look on where you can tag them. Like you said, antlers and some of that stuff. So I've done it a few times, and it's not bad. Um, and it's actually can save you a whole lot of dragon if you don't have a cart and you're way back in there. And, um, so I, I, I think, and I know there's a lot of people around pier that are doing it more and more and, and heck they're even doing it East river. Um, you know, you shoot a, a buck in a big slough or on the edge of a big slough. And instead of trying to drag it through the mud, they're, you know, just doing it right there. And, and I think it's getting a little bit more accepted and, 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 you know, probably it'll get to be maybe not a norm, but certainly a well-used tool so 
Yeah, Chris, I'm a I'm a public land deer hunter myself, and as are my kids, obviously. And and it's the method that we've we've switched to probably three or four years ago. And uh, yeah, after you you drag a deer out or cart a deer out a couple miles on a big walking area here along the Missouri River Bluffs, you're gonna you're gonna try to find a, a easier way, especially as you. As you get a little older, like we all do, so yeah, but yeah. you're a big dude, you should just be able to throw one over each shoulder and go back in the day, my friend. <laughs> so, back to you know, carcass restrictions. So, we're good, you know, also changed the intrastate, which you know means within South Dakota. I'm from Rossalt, I get a Black Hills deer tag. Um, I decide not to bone it out there, um, but I can bring that critter home, and the same rules apply. You got to make sure. You know, if it goes to a taxidermist or a processor, that that carcass goes into a permitted landfill, or you have to take that permit to a permitted landfill, right? That is correct, Chris. Yes. Why are we here, Chad? Uh, you guys talk. I don't know. I mean, I think Chris knows. Oh, you got it down. We could we could just let him finish, right? Chris, <laughs> you, you grew up in Rossholt and you passed on, on safe course. And, well, and I, I grew up in System, but I got family up in that Rossholt okay. Leffington country, gotcha. so. <clears throat> Yeah, you're you're correct, Chris. It's it's the interstate and intrastate um, carcass restrictions. You can take it anywhere in the state. It goes to your home, to a processor, to a taxidermist, and then I think one of the next topics is going to be, you know, we want that carcass thrown in a in a landfill, a proper disposed landfill, um, and the reason is 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 that you know we that prion can be in that carcass if it's a positive animal. Right. And it could be spreading it. You could spread it from the Black Hills to Brookings County or Day County or whatever where we don't think we have it um, just by doing um, what you said, shooting an animal, which you may not know is positive. It may be the healthiest-looking animal, but it still may have the prion. Right. Get over there, throw it in the field. That's common practice. We're trying to get away from that, being a little bit more um, <clears throat> responsible with trying to stop the the human spread of this disease. Um, and, and so that's why we've got these regulations. Right. And that, to me, that's the big one. I think that's the, this, this situation kind of mirrors the AIS zebra mussels and, and, uh, you know, jumping carp and stuff. It's kind of fascinating, but to me, that's the, that's the big one. It's like pulling your plugs, you know, we we did it for so long and it was just kind of this, you know, accepted, ingrained thing you pull your boat plug you let it drain you put it back in you take your boat home you get done with a deer you throw it in your shelter belt or you throw it down in the burn pile or you throw it wherever and and that that that's the big one ultimately where it kind of all leads to at least in in this plan so and just just so folks know um the prion that causes this disease is pretty much indestructible i mean it can be in the environment for many years um, and and be be able to be picked up by other deer. So it's not like uh, a, a virus that takes five days in the sun to die, or a bacteria that will dry out and die. This prion is just pretty much indestructible. So there's there's ways we need to just try to do a little bit better um, as hunters to to dispose of this potential disease um, that could be potentially spread around the areas um, and and be responsible and throw it in a landfill. You know, everybody says, well, we can burn it. Can't we throw it in the burn pile? It does not destroy it. Um, it can still be viable after even, like, 1,500 degrees wow. Fahrenheit 
it's still potentially viable. That's the bad part about this, um, the prion, I guess. Sure. Um, so what we're doing with the landfills is we're putting them in certain areas and we're burying them. Now, if you want to dig a hole and bury something six foot under, more power to you. Um, that's the same thing as taking it to a landfill. Sure. Um, get it underground deep enough to where it's not going to be potentially taken up by roots or whatever, and and we should be in good shape. Sure. Awesome. And then we'll, we'll just touch briefly kind of the same rules for lockers and wildlife processing facilities. I shoot a deer. I, I bring it to – I'll just use Morton's <clears throat> Meat Locker because my family used to own it way back when. Um, they, they're following the same rules, Switzer? Yeah, so, yeah, there's lots of processors across the state that do varying levels of, of work for their customers. So there's <clears throat> processors that are permitted by USDA, obviously, that, that do some interstate sales of, of processed meat. Uh, there's processors that are permitted by the South Dakota uh, Animal Industry Board. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's just processors that are not permitted uh, because they don't have to, but they would have a state sales tax license. So those USDA and AIB uh, permitted processors, uh, this would not affect those processors. They already have rules in place uh, for proper disposal of of their remains from the animals that they process. Excuse me, I guess this rule would apply uh, to those smaller processors that uh, are not permitted by one of those authorities. And and we just wanted to have something in place to try to catch catch everything uh, the best that we can. And from the taxidermist side of things, uh, South Dakota Game Fish and Parks does permit uh, the taxidermists within the state. I think there's around 225 of them, and these rules would apply to them as well. Uh, so one thing that <clears throat> we're going to be doing on the tags that, that come with your license, on that tag, it will state that uh, CWD rules apply if that is a tag that is for an endemic area. Okay, so that's going to be for most of our licenses that are unit-specific. <clears throat> we do have, like, our, our archery licenses, uh, our antlerless archery, our antlerless muzzleloader, and our mentor and apprentice licenses. Those are valid for much larger areas or at the statewide level. So those tags are going to say CWD rules may apply because it's going to depend upon where that hunter harvests that animal. Okay, sure. if they harvest that animal right now and... In Clark County <clears throat> or Hughes County, there would be no requirement on the disposal. But if they would harvest that animal in, in Butte, uh, Trip, Harding, whatnot, uh, those regulations would apply uh, to the, the disposal of, of that carcass. So uh, that's going to be some information we're working on right now to get shared with our taxidermists and the processors. We're also going to be reaching out to all the permitted landfills and all of the known waste management providers that, that we can find in the phone books and and make sure they're aware of, of the new rules and regs. And, and uh, we, we've been informing them. We just got one last step here to kind of give them what the, the, the final rules are and when they go into effect. So, Right on. So talk about testing. What's the plans for this year? Um, planning on expanding, moving the testing? Are we doing any testing what, what's the plan there? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, based on the results of the finding last year, uh, our priority surveillance areas have obviously shifted and changed, and uh, we're going to be uh, making 
making a move into some new territory. Uh, some of the some of the other uh, counties that we were looking at last year, where we did not detect it, even though it might be surrounded by CWD uh, counties or endemic areas, we're still going to be uh, testing within those areas. So those will be our priority areas. We'll be uh, working with businesses and and whatnot to, <clears throat> to have collection stations that are readily available the best we can for our hunters. Uh, we will also likely have some drop-off stations uh, at our Rapid City office, uh, Custer State Park and whatnot. We want to have some other option available uh, you know, out in the western part of the state for hunters that might want to just have their, their deer elk tested. We're going to try to accommodate them the best we can. So uh, there's, that information is up on our website. Uh, we'll be disseminating this information out the best we can to all of the license holders and <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I think this podcast is a great place. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, I'd encourage anyone interested or wanting to know more information, uh, uh, check out our website. Uh, if you don't find what you're looking there, uh, pick up the phone and try to get in touch with staff like myself or Steve, and we'd be happy to visit with you. That's that's what our, our job is, and that's what we're here to do. So Right. There's there's a ton of information on, on that CWD page and it, to the point where today I was kind of searching for a couple specific things and it was just like, whoa, I mean, it's, it's all there. And, and, you know, there, there's rule language and there's science, sciencey language like you guys get to use and, and everything, but you can get, you can get pretty much everything you want there. And, and we're going to be sharing a lot of this stuff in the, in the coming weeks and months. And, and, uh, like you said, you, you two guys have always been available for questions and, and, uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate the time too. So, um, I guess, Anything else? What did I miss? What did I screw up, Griff? Well, real simply, I, I mean, if anyone's interested in CDB and something, it's very simple. Go to the Game Fishing Parks website, Game Fishing Parks website, sorry, um, and just search CWD, and it'll bring up the CWD page. You, you can find all that information you just talked about, and there's a lot of it on there. Um, so... I, I think you covered it well, and, and there'll be more coming. We've got, as Chad said, we've got a lot of stuff to update. But in general, um, I think we covered pretty much everything we need to. Yeah, you know, Chris, I think I just I'd end it here for myself here that you know we're not we're not here talking that the sky's falling on our deer and elk populations right now because they're not. But if you do look at some of the research that's been been conducted in some of our adjacent states to the west. Uh, there are some very concerning uh, results from that research, and, and some of those populations within their study areas uh, are not performing well. And, and uh, when you model those populations based on the survival, <clears throat> they're not doing well, even even by removing hunting from from the equation. So, right now, just want folks to think think long term. Think for you know healthy deer and elk populations for your your kids and grandkids. I mean, this is why we're doing this. So. Right. Well said. I think we could even do the, you know, how we do the, if you care, leave it there with a baby critters. I think maybe we could do a poster with a, like a boned out deer or elk sitting in the Black Hills and a hunter taking the meat over his shoulder. And if you care, leave it there. Just my morbid brain working that way. So I'll, I'll let you draw that because I can't <laughs> draw a stick, man. I'll get it out there. <clears throat> Thanks again, boys. I appreciate the time. Griff, I hope you get a, get uh, one of those gobblers figured out. Um, two of the smartest dudes I know, uh, Steve Griffin, Chad Switzer. Thanks for your time, guys, and stay well. Thank you all. Appreciate it, buddy. Yep. Appreciate your doing this. Yep.
Thanks, boys. Bye. Yep. Well, that's it for the Memorial Day edition of the GFP podcast and blast. Thanks for listening. Go out and have some fun this weekend. Be safe. Be smart. Um, and as always, if you got some questions or ideas or comments or whatever, you know, please, please like wherever you're listening to this on uh, whatever, if it's uh, SoundCloud or Apple or whatever, uh, please like it, subscribe to us, follow us. And if you got any ideas, you know, shoot me a, shoot me an email. Uh, it's Chris, C-H-R-I-S dot Hull, H-U-L-L at state dot S-D dot U-S. If you think you'd make a good podcast guest and you, you can entertain me and make me laugh and we can talk about the outdoors, uh, yeah, I'm all for it. So, oh, one other thing. Um, been doing a bunch of work. Our education staff, since they haven't been able to really be out and deliver, you know, one-on-one programming, done a bang-up job doing, you know, fun educational um, videos on the outdoors, all kinds of stuff on the outdoors, whether it's you know, basics of archery, how to pattern a shotgun, um, morel mushroom hunting, asparagus hunting. Uh, if you got to poop outside, we had Derek on there uh, last last week, I think, on that episode. Derek from the Outdoor Campus of Sioux Falls. But uh, done a ton of those videos. You can find them on our social media stuff. Or go to our GFP, SDGFP uh, YouTube page. There's an educational playlist. I think there's 35, 40 videos. I mean, they run the gamut from fishing to pooping to keeping a nature journal so um if you're trapped inside and you want to take a look at those those are good stuff and and if you got any ideas for those you know shoot me a shoot me a line and we'll uh we'll see what we can do but until next time stay well uh we're getting closer to being back to normal but uh the biggest thing is everybody stay well and stay safe and get outside and enjoy the outdoors it's back to my place where Long day.